0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This piece has been brought to you by Bonnie Plants. BonniePlants.com I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School
2: Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
1: Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows on heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes. Follow me on Instagram at thefoodballer. This is episode 26 of Feast Your Ears, and today, which is in fact a Tuesday, it's not a Wednesday, we're pre-recording this show, it's going to air later, Uh, in the studio with me today is Holly Davidson, who is an actress, trainer, and uh, author of a new book called Nourish that she wrote with her sister and and another friend of theirs, so thank you, Holly, for joining me today.
2: It's lovely to be here, thank you for having me.
1: So, when you meet somebody, invariably they ask the, what do you do, question, and what do you say when you meet somebody?
2: (laughs) Um, now I'm a personal trainer. Okay. So yeah, I would just yeah, I'm a personal trainer, and um, an author is something that was uh, fun to do. But whether or not, whether or not I'd ever write another book, I don't know. This is this is my this is my baby. Got so it. yeah, got
1: it. So you don't self describe at the moment as an, as an author. You, no. you have been. An author yes,
2: author, exactly. Because
1: the book is finished. Yeah. Um, so you recently moved to New York from London, right? Yeah. What brought you to New York? My fiance. (laughs) That's
2: a good reason. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you.
1: So, you have a a pending wedding?
2: We do, yeah. Do you have a date set? Uh, 2017. We're keeping it open. (laughs) Cool.
1: Great. Awesome. and what were you doing in London? Were you also a personal trainer there before you moved here?
2: Yeah, I've been a personal trainer for seven years now um and it's um my love it's my true love and that's why um the book came from that. It came from all my experiences, all my knowledge um of food, people um, um, and there's people coming in here now. It's <laughs> oh, so yeah, funny to look. Um, and I just, I guess, um, you know, as your personal training and your learning from other people and their experiences and what works and what doesn't work for them, whether it's food related or um, exercise related, I was just had all this stuff. And I was just, I just wanted to put it somewhere and wanted it to be in one place. Um, and writing a book just seemed the best place and the best way to do it.
1: So how did the book actually come about? Was it your brainchild and you? sort of got your sister to come along and your friend to come along with it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was me, I think, over a couple of years talking to my sister and saying, God, oh, I've got all these great ideas. And she was like, oh, I'd love to write a book, too. I've got some ideas. And then and then I think it's kind of writing a book, it can be quite daunting. Um, and I, I,
1: I know that well. I'm in the yeah, middle of it right okay. now. Okay,
2: Yeah, I mean, and so having the support of my sister and a friend and us all saying, let's do this together was a really uniting and positive thing, so it kind of gave us all the confidence to to do it. Um, it can be quite an isolated thing to do, I think, on your own and and having the support of each other, it made it easier, and it made it less of a big big thing. and we um yeah, we all worked together to kind of bring it bring the book into into place. So. Great. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so the book is called Nourish, Mind, Body and Soul. <clears throat> and it was written by Amber Rose, Sadie Frost and Holly Davidson. Sadie's your sister.
2: Yeah. Right? Sadie's my sister.
1: And the book is sort of split into three sections. Amber has a section. Sadie has a section. And Holly has a section. Um, can you tell me about how the sections kind of broke out?
2: Sure. I mean, we kind of wanted to focus on our expertise, even though a lot of, you know, we've kind of, um, I, I love food, but Amber, she's a chef. It was her expertise. So obviously, you know, writing about food for her and recipes came completely naturally. So each of our sections is is focused on our our expertise.
1: Great, and then so Sadie's section is more about sort of mental work.
2: Yeah, so she's um, she's focusing on well, probably I'd say the mind the mind sure. part. Um, so it's it's there's about breathing, yoga, um, and it kind of goes into as well sleep and stress, um, and also just being a busy mum working being a woman trying to kind of juggle a million things and how certain things in her life have helped certain tools have helped her um so it is more of a it's a mindset and and speaking about that yeah
1: yeah, I mean it's a you know the the book is I think the book is beautiful. Um, it doesn't have a dust jacket, which is one of my personal pet peeves oh, really? <laughs> about books. I hate the books with just with dust jackets. I haven't. I hope that my book doesn't have a, a dust jacket. The uh, the publisher has told me it won't, but they can always change their mind.
2: Okay, yeah. Um,
1: because I just find that dust jackets always tear, especially on a book you're going to use in the kitchen. Yeah, you're going to end up ripping it or getting it dirty, and so why bother? And it I mean, looks you
2: know, and it looks a bit messy, and then yeah. you are kind of yeah. Exactly,
1: uh, but the book the book is beautiful, and it definitely you know the the photographs. Show off the fact that the three of you are close. Yeah. Um, which I think is really, you know, is is really part of it. And the idea that you do need to kind of take care of all of these things. You do need to take care of your mind, your body, and your soul. Kind of how do you do that in a holistic way where it's not just about how you eat? I mean, there are a lot of books about eating for health, or a lot of books about working out for health, or a lot of books about mindfulness. And so, how do you kind of bring all of those things into one?
2: And that's what we wanted. We wanted a book that was, that you could pick up um, and. Th- look at beautiful pictures of food and be inspired you could also then find out certain things and every time you pick it up <clears throat> you're going to learn something new um, and it looks great on the coffee table and it doesn't you know it's um it's something for everybody of all ages you know it's not specifically to, um, honed into anybody um, any age so we wanted everyone that you know could learn something from it and and um yeah and we're really proud of the book
1: um you talk in the book about people needing to fall in love with exercise? Yes. Um how do you get people to do that as a personal trainer?
2: Um I think it's I think it's down to the the person and finding out what they love. Um what they enjoy doing. Um I think a lot of you know there's a lot of exercise out there and everyone thinks one it, it's for everybody and it's not you know what you know somebody might love running and somebody might, might love playing squash. Right. Um, so it's finding what they enjoy and whether it's you know being outdoors or indoors or so you kind of really kind of get to know somebody's personality and that's the key and you kind of. Have they tried certain things, and and do they prefer things that are high impact or low impact? And I, you just run through a, sure. a lot of questions, and and I think once you find things that are personal to that person and they enjoy doing, they probably actually are exercising in ways that they haven't realised is exercise because they're enjoying it. Exercise a lot of people think is a chore or right. diff, you know or something they shouldn't like. Um, and that's not the case. So it's...
1: I think it changes over time, too. I, as a kid, hated gym class. Was never... I mean, I wasn't really... And you know, I did team sports, but didn't find them compelling or exciting or fun, particularly. And then, you know, it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I actually started running. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember why. I think I just did. I was like, I have to do some... I got to get back. I have to do some kind of exercising. I swam yeah. for exercise for a long time. And the thing I really used to love about that is that it gave me an hour where nobody could reach me. Yeah. Because I was underwater. And so it was very easy to get away, and I had a job where I could swim in the middle of the day. So I would go to the pool, be away from the office. Nobody could find me for an hour. I had my alone time. It was great. And then I think I sort of discovered that with running. And then it became a time that I looked forward to because it was a time to listen to podcasts, ultimately, I mean, I, and, and learn about things that yeah. I was interested in because it was also hard, you know, and, and I felt like I was able to make a double you know double use of the time where i was exercising but i was also exercising my mind because i found the running itself not particularly like mentally stimulating
2: yeah but well that's and that's and and um, you know for you it was kind of great because you felt like you know you weren't running <laughs> you, right. were, you were you're in your world yep. and you're like oh i've just done a run and yeah. and it and it's done and i think and it's also you know convenience and yep. how it fits into your life yep. um You know, if you've got to travel two hours to get to a class and it's stressing you out, then that's not going to be something you can keep up. So you want it to you know, work in your life and things change, you know, yeah. life changes. So you can't be constantly thinking, Oh, this is the thing for me. And it's always been what I do. And sometimes it, it may change. So. Yeah. I think
1: I'm in a, I'm personally in a moment where I have to find something else Yeah. due to other sort of outside influences on my life. I now have two children who are young. I have a dog, I have a business. I have, you know, all of these other things that take up little bits of time that I don't have an hour to go running four yeah. times a week at the moment. So I have to find something else that fits into my schedule that I can kind of make the time to do it. Yeah. Um, perhaps after the show, I'll ask you for suggestions. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We (laughs) will. Um, there's a, there's a piece in the book, um, about the voices in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually don't remember if that's in your part or if it's, in, it's
2: yeah, it's in my part. It's in your part with yeah. the
1: boys in your head. So, you know, that I also think is something that's it's really valuable and I was thinking about that this morning as I was preparing for the show and and thinking about that I find it's sometimes the same the same voice right I, I had this conversation my six-year-old daughter after seeing star wars for the first time started talking to me about the voices in the head because luke hears obi-wan okay. in his head when he's flying at the end of the at the end of the movie and she said dad i have voices in my head and she started to say that they were her grandma and these other things it was very you know it's very sweet but it was really interesting to see her kind of internalize that and to think about what these voices in her head were saying and you know we all have them right and i think yeah. about that a lot. I mean, I. But I think that what I was thinking about this morning related to it is that it's the same voice that says "Don't go to the gym." That also says, "Oh, that was really fun." Oh yeah. <laughs> when you're done with it, and I think it's important to sort of keep keep that in mind. I've been I've been getting up really early every morning to have time alone to write and work on my book. And some mornings when that alarm goes off, I just like roll over in bed and I think, God, I can't get up. I need another hour of sleep. And then when I do get up and I get a bunch done before anybody in the house is awake and it's quiet and I have sort of my time, it's the same voice that's saying, God, that was great. We've got to do that again tomorrow. Yeah,
2: totally, totally. And I think it is it's kind of when you have those two voices is being able to listen to both and being able to kind of pat yourself on the back when you have done well and not give yourself too much of a hard time when the voice is, you know. Right. You know. Because
1: tomorrow's another day and you can.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think there's so many pressures in life. If, you know, if the voice is a big pressure in your life, then it's just it's not a nice place to be in that head sometimes. (laughs) So. um, So, yeah.
1: Um, Is there anything that you miss about London so far? How long have you been in New York?
2: Oh, well, I've only been here for just over a month. Okay. so um, I miss well, i obviously, my, my family. I'm a massive, um, I look very close to my family. I've got four sisters, um, lots of nieces and nephews, and um, family time. I have
1: children, I can't even imagine. I have two, and I feel like it's hard enough yeah. to manage all the stuff and the timing, and they're young. I mean, I don't even, you know, but having five.
2: Yeah, all girls as well. Wow. Just, yeah. Did
1: just... your family drive a truck? I mean, how did you guys get around? <laughs> yeah
2: there's a big age gap actually between the <laughs> eldest and the youngest ah. so by the time yeah my youngest sister was born the eldest was moving out so my mom t- timed it very well Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah obviously miss family not really missing the weather the weather is uh the not the yeah something to miss but that is kind of pretty similar here at the moment um and my, my clients I miss um I had great relationships with all my clients when I was working per- personal training obviously is very personal and um they felt like family to me too, so... But, you know, I've, I've got... There's so much going on in New York, so many great things, and... Experiences and you know, my obviously my fiance's here and being with him is lovely, yeah. so you know, it's kind of a little bit of a payoff, so it's fine. Yeah,
1: I mean, you've traded one giant metropolis for another, so it's yeah. not, you know, I, I have to imagine it's not, it would be very different if you'd moved to a very rural area or something. The contrast would be big, but you're in a city from a city, yeah, and
2: exactly, you know. and it, everyone doesn't feel that far away. I mean, London doesn't feel that far away, right. so it's, um, yeah, no, it's, it's been really fun so far.
1: We're going to take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors. And uh, when we get back, um, we'll talk a little bit about I want to hear more about your childhood okay. uh, and growing up in the country.
0: It's just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow. With Bonnie.
1: Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, and uh, today I'm speaking with Holly Davidson about uh, being a personal trainer and her new book, Nourish, um, that is out now, um, published by Kyle Books. Yeah. Um, so, Holly, you moved here to New York recently from London, but actually grew up as a child in the countryside. Yes. In England, right? Yeah. Uh, where did you grow up?
2: Uh, Shropshire Um, So it's kind of on the border of the Midlands and Wales Um, In your typical kind of rolling hills um, A little black and white cottage With a stream and a waterfall
1: So Um, exactly like we would imagine As Americans when someone says the English countryside
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I took my fiancé to see see it And he thought it looked like a hobbit house (laughs) 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 That's how he described it So um, yeah, it's very, very picturesque and quaint Yeah
1: um, and growing up there, um, what did your family eat?
2: Like, uh, what, were your, what
1: were your regular? Well, you
2: know, we had shops, <laughs> so we could. No, I mean we we did have a massive vegetable garden, so there was a lot of. That's
1: more what I was getting. Yeah, that, I I mean, know, I'm curious I know. to know sort of how you know everybody has a different kind of take. I think on how their family grew up and, yeah. and what they were eating, um, and so you know, I guess to extrapolate on the my assumption as an american right i imagine there being lamb and i imagine there being cows grazing on these green hills and vegetables and all of that
2: yeah so i was woken up by bleating lambs and and so um but we we grew our own vegetables and um had chickens and and kind of had a little bit of a small hold so um tried to use the land as much we could um and then you'd have farms locally around to get fresh produce from as well as, you know, locally sourced things from, from the, the shops um, close by. But um, I remember I have so many amazing memories from being in the garden and, you know, picking vegetables and digging and, and just it was really refreshing and lovely. I think you don't really realise how privileged and lucky... To experience that as a child, um, until you grow up, and just being aware of where vegetables come from, right. um, and how long they take to grow, and what the process is, and and the kind of you know the love and um, and and the taste afterwards when you've been a part of growing something, digging it up and eating it, it the taste is something I can't explain, and it's kind of. It yeah I feel really humble and lucky to have had that in my life.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and I think that um, having your hands in that, and and you talk, you mentioned not sort of understanding how lucky you were, and I mean, because as a kid, everything is your reality, Yeah. Right? So you have no, you don't have a concept of of other people's reality until you start to meet people when you grow up. And for me, it was when I went to college, and I realized that like not everybody had a dad who did a lot of cooking or not everybody, you know, had a vegetable garden growing up and sort of had these experiences or, you know, not everybody's parents slammed on the brakes every time there was a farm stand where we could buy fresh produce when we were driving somewhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, You are you a vegetarian? I am. Um, And I believe in the book you talk about how you were a vegetarian for a long, you've been a vegetarian for a long time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you were healthy. No. At a certain point. And no. I think that's an important distinction to sort of talk about. I think there's a lot of things that I see written and headlines and about, you know, fitness and eating less meat and being vegetarian. And, you know, I think it's important to, for people to understand that just being a vegetarian doesn't necessarily equate with health.
2: Yeah, right? I think I think um, you assume being a vegetarian you eat. An array of vegetables, um, and it's enriched with all this lovely fresh, you know, fruit, and and it's not the case at all. I think, you know, when I left home and I was, you know, a teenager in London, um, with without that around me, I, you know, I would. It was very easy to to have frozen meals and things that were convenience and kind of lost what you know everything that you know you, you rebel you kind of you know it's easy to get um, uh, those kind of foods and I was yeah I found that I was actually feeling pretty unwell um, from you know I think maybe a, a few frozen peas on the side would be enough right. um, and and it was it was you know a lot of frozen stuff and I just um, and I began to get coughs and colds and flus and feeling pretty run down and couldn't quite work out what it was and I you know at 20 years old you don't realise that it could be the food you're eating and that's when I kind of started looking at um, health in detail, um, nutrition um, and really started looking at what I'm getting from these foods and what I wasn't getting from these foods Um, and and that's kind of you know enlightened a, a passion in me Um, as well as obviously personal training. I mean, nutrition is is key.
1: Right. I mean, my guest last week um, is a dancer. Yeah. Um, And we talked a lot about what is required for her and sort of how, you know, her life and her activity needs don't fit into the sort of like ideal of three meals a day that we're all fed which most people probably don't either but you know we sort of have this ideal of like oh you have breakfast you have lunch in the middle of the day you have dinner and here are the things that are the standard components of those meals yeah and you know for by and large for most people i think if you were to take a very close look at what your body needs based on your activity level it probably wouldn't fit into those structures
2: yeah and, and I, I you know, it's coming back to whether it's exercise or food, we kind of say this is how you should be. This is the one way. And it it's not for everybody, you know, so you have to kind of do what's right for you. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I was a I was a vegan sort of de facto for a while in college because I lived in an apartment with a bunch of people who were vegan, um, who were probably the most unhealthy people that I've ever lived with or known i mean we were in our 20s of course but you know i mean i think that for most of the people in that house you know a bagel with peanut butter on it was like a meal yeah and that was it and again i mean same thing i i had grown up cooking um a little bit and and sort of getting interested in cooking at that point so i was starting to make things with fresh vegetables but everybody in the house was just eating like peanut butter
2: yeah i mean that's it so yeah being vegetarian now i mean it's it's obviously having the, the understanding of what I really need and also uh, being lucky to be able to get such a variety of foods all the time, yeah. you know. Um, so it's it's not that it's easy. You still have to, you know... You have to prepare. It's all about preparation. Because I love cooking, it's yeah. not. It's not a problem. Because, but um, it is. It's your your. I feel like I'm. You know, everything's fresh. So you're yeah. always cooking. I never would buy anything ready made ever. Right. Um,
1: I mean, noticing and noticing the effect of those preservatives and, and other things on your body is something that I've you know I've noticed. I mean, I'm not a vegetarian, but we you know, we only source meat from sources that we really feel are responsible and that we know where they're coming from for the Brooklyn Kitchen. And when I go to a friend's house or I, you know, around the holidays, if I go to family friends' houses and I almost I have a really hard time eating the meat and I feel like kind of a jerk if I say, Well, where's this where's this from? And I don't mean to be a jerk about it, but if they're buying conventional meat, I can't eat it because if I eat it I feel terrible. Yeah. And I know that it's a side effect of the hormones and antibiotics and, and other things in it that you can't I can't exactly put my finger on it and it's very hard to explain that to someone who you know is trying to be nice to you and invite you to so I often I mean I often won't ask I'll just put it on my plate yeah and but then they're sort of like well do you want more why aren't you eating you know it's sort of like this thing or didn't you try the ham and I'm like yeah but it came from Smithfield ham and it, I know what goes into that and I know yeah. how those pigs were raised and I just can't eat it
2: <laughs> yeah and that's I mean the the, the more you learn Obviously, you can make better choices, but then obviously you also know what is going on with some of these foods that we're eating, um, where they've come from, what is the pesticides in them, and and it's quite scary. So it kind of it's you know it's it has its pros and its cons knowing so much about all these things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it can be kind of difficult going out for dinner sometimes.
1: And then sometimes, I mean, with kids, like, all my children sometimes want is macaroni and cheese that's bright orange. And yeah. I mean, I feed that to them because that's what they want to eat, and that's fine. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll grow up to be great people anyway. I think they'll be yeah. okay. We, we all turned out okay, and we ate some a lot of crap, so...
2: Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, would you say that um, you have a favorite thing to cook?
2: Ooh. A favorite thing to cook? I... The thing with I never I never follow recipes. I I'm one of these people who will open the fridge and there'll be three things in there, and I manage to like make dinner for ten. Um, <laughs> um, so when it comes to kind of I, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you what it was, sure. but it was great, great. you know, <laughs> because there's no recipe, so it just kind yeah. of just whatever happens yeah. on the day. Um, and I love kind of I'll see I'll see. A, um, a recipe, or a, um, I'll be out and they'll, they'll, I'll see something and I'll go home and just try and copy it because right. I like the sound of it. So um, I'm always kind of coming up with things myself. So yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and you mentioned I, I, in the questionnaire that I sent you before the show that you like dinner parties. Yes. What did you serve at your last dinner party?
2: Um, last dinner party was oh well homemade sushi. Um, I don't eat fish, but I still obviously. You know, respect people who do eat meat and fish. So, um, and then I'm big on salads. So, a nice big quinoa salad, a nice mixed bean salad, and I like it. So, there's loads of things on the table, loads of different flavours, loads of variety, and then everyone can kind of just pick and grab and just share. And that's that's it's all about sharing food yeah. rather than a big plate in front of you. I like people being able to just kind of dig into a big table of
1: sounds sounds good um do you have any any events coming up or anything that you want to sort of mention on the show
2: um nothing specific obviously you know i'm promoting nourish which is really exciting right now um and um yeah just uh doing my personal training and and enjoying new york
1: yeah i mean we're coming into spring which i think Ah. is the nicest season in new york yeah so the the leaves will start to come out soon I, this morning walking my daughter to school we saw the very very first daffodil oh. starting to bloom so lots of
2: hiking there. lots of hiking and outdoors yeah so I, I love the outdoors so
1: well thanks holly it's been a it's been a real pleasure today to have you on feast your ears uh thanks for listening to feast your ears today and a big thank you to Kristen baylor who's my producer and david tatashore for engineering today please take a moment to like the show on facebook and itunes and follow us on instagram